this is a lengthy lesson, but I won't make it lengthy. Amen. I promise to keep it within our normal time frame. Amen. Because uh, the, the purpose that pastor has set out here, amen, to, uh, for teaching this Bible study is, yes, we were in hopes that there were some individuals that would attend and be a part of this, and they would subsequently get a Bible study, amen, through that while we had them here, amen, because they were limited in the times that they could be here, so we were hoping that we would get to teach them a Bible study. But the other, uh, the, the parallel to that, the other reason for teaching this, amen, is just to let you know that anyone can teach a Bible study, amen? They're not difficult. They are not uh, 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 deep, amen? As a matter of fact, we are going to cover the Exodus, the tabernacle, the furniture in the tabernacle, and all of that. And let me tell you something. Every page in this Bible study could be a lesson in and of itself, amen? I'll tell you, the, the ten plagues, if we covered the ten plagues, you could spend a lesson on every one of the plagues. So, the purpose of a one-on-one home Bible study or personal Bible study like this is uh, it's actually twofold. Yes, you are trying to give them an understanding of the Word of God, but I would just like to let you know, unless you're in your second or third or fourth Bible study with that individual or that family, because this is meant to be a ground-level first introduction Bible study, unless you are in an in-depth Bible study with those individuals, you are not trying to give them an education, a biblical education. You're trying to give them a biblical introduction, amen? We really, our purpose... And our goal really is to come out of this so that they know it wasn't Jonah that parted the Red Sea. Amen? Okay? It really is a basic education or a basic introduction to the Word of God. So we will skim over things. We'll cover things and mention things. But we will not get in depth to them because... Our hope is this, Uh, there was a, uh, I'm not on Twitter or Instagram or any of those kinds of things, I do have a Facebook page, but I don't don't get tweets and things like that, but I did see, uh, I don't know if it was a copy of one or somebody mentioning one, where Kirk Cousins, the NFL quarterback for the Washington uh, Redskins, he tweeted on Sunday night because they were playing on Monday night. He had lost his grandmother, whom he was extremely, extremely close to. And what he tweeted out, he said, uh, lost my grandmother today, Very loved her dearly. But because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I will see her again one day. Isn't that awesome? That's why we are teaching this Bible study. That's why we are, amen, trying to introduce you. Not necessarily because we're not in the law anymore. We're not necessarily trying to introduce you to the uh, the Exodus or to the tabernacle or wanting you to make sacrifices on the altar of sacrifice, amen, none of those things. But they introduce us to Jesus Christ. The Bible, uh, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, is either a type or a shadow or literally Jesus Christ, amen, and everything in the word of God is pointing to him and introducing to him to us, amen, and so we, that's why we are teaching these Bible studies, we ultimately want them to give their life to Christ, we ultimately want people introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is nothing else in this life that can save you, amen, did I lose you already, amen, there is nothing in this life that changes and saves like the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? 
Okay, we're going to go to chart one, amen. In lesson four, pastor has asked and, and kind of stressed that we stay almost word for word. Uh, I'm not going to read it like I'm reading a book. I will stop and make some points, but most of those points I, I want to make are going to be to say why we say some of the things, why we are pointing out some of these things, amen, because when you teach a Bible study, amen, we want you to know why it's important to mention these things. They point us to Jesus, amen, amen. Now, uh, in the Exodus, amen, we will find that there is a plan of redemption. I will point out to you that there are a lot of types and shadows and there are symbolism and things like that in the Old Testament, but I don't know uh, there are certainly a lot of them, but I don't know that any is stronger, amen, than the Exodus and the tabernacle plan into pointing to the, 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 the cross and the work of the cross, amen. Can I get an amen? Watch this. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, amen. We are in Exodus chapter 1. And they increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Amen. This new king that did not know Joseph decided that there were too many of them in the land. And so he set over them taskmasters, and he ultimately made them slaves so that they would build his cities for him. Amen. And so... Because of that, this is a story, amen, and you will notice that Egypt is a type to us of the world or of sin, amen. And so there is an enslavement there. There is an entanglement, if you will, into the web of sin, just like they were trapped in the web of Pharaoh or there in the Egyptians, amen, that it... it it became that they wanted to set taskmasters over them. And there is no worse taskmaster than that of sin in our life. Amen. So we needed, just like they needed deliverance from Egypt and the Egyptians, amen, we needed deliverance from our sins. Can I get an amen? 1 Corinthians teaches that we can use, amen, the flight from Egypt as an example for us today. They spent 40 years in Egypt, and then the Pharaoh became fearful, and he noticed that they were uh, growing mighty, and they were growing large in number, and he decided that if we don't do something about it, if we don't get them under control, then they may rise up and overthrow us. They may destroy us. If we were to go to war with them, amen, we, they would take us out. And so he was concerned about that, and he set a decree to all of the midwives that they should kill every newborn male Hebrew at the time of their birth. Exodus chapter 1 and 17 says, But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the Pharaoh commanded all of his people to destroy the baby boys by throwing them into the river. Amen. Now, after Moses was born... About three months, his parents were able to hide him, and they were able to keep him hidden. But as he grew and got bigger, there was that potential that somebody was going to see and notice him with his family and say, 
you know what, there's nobody else in the land that has a child that age because Pharaoh had decreed that all of them be thrown into the river. And so even if they were able to hide him until he was three or four or five or six years old or ten years old or twelve years old, there would be no other male children in the land that were that age. So they would know that he was, that he was saved and that he was hidden and he was kept back. Amen. So they decided and devised this plan that they would make a basket, a man, the mother of Moses made the basket, stuck him in the Nile, and floated him down the river, a man. And so she set Moses' sister Miriam out to watch him and keep an eye on him. As it were, he floated down the river, and it tells us, the Bible tells us, that Pharaoh's daughter was walking down to the river to bathe that day, and she noticed the basket, opened it up, and that's what, how we get Moses' name. He was taken from the water. Amen. So Moses, she realizes, is this baby. And she decides that she's going to keep him and care for him as if he were her own. Amen. Well, she does that, pulls him out. Now she's wondering who's going to feed this three-month-old baby, who's going to take care of him. And so Miriam steps up out of, the brush, out of the brush pile, if you will, and says, you know what, why don't I take that baby and take him back, and someone from the Hebrews can nurse that baby. And so, wouldn't you know it, just how God works, he's, Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, why don't you take the baby, take him back to the Hebrews, let somebody nurse him, and in fact, I'm going to pay that individual to take care of and raise that baby. And so Miriam now, with not just Moses in hand, but she's also now getting paid to take the baby back to his own mother because he, she took him back to uh, his mother and father. And so that she takes him back and his own mother is able to nurse him and raise him and take care of him. Isn't our God good? Amen. What an awesome story. Praise the Lord. Now Moses grows up. He gets older and he's raised in the house of Pharaoh. And when he was grown, the Bible tells us that he went down to be among his people. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. Moses, because something rose up in him, and I'm guessing it was that feeling uh, that, you know, that he didn't recognize yet, but God had probably placed inside of him a desire, amen, to be a deliverer of his people. And so when he saw that, he got kind of uh, angry about that, and he killed that Egyptian, amen. He buried him in the sand. He goes back the next day, amen, a little bit later, and he sees two Hebrews fighting, and he attempts to separate them. And one of them says to him, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? That's Exodus chapter 2 and verse 14. So because Moses, amen, now recognizes that the word is out, that he has killed an Egyptian, he has to run for his life amen and so he does he runs out into the wilderness and he spends 40 years in the land amen of Midian it's in Midian that Moses marries his wife amen and he uh, marries his wife Zipporah which is the daughter of the Midianite priest uh, Jethro amen and one day while Moses is keeping the sheep he's on the backside, amen of the mountain and he notices that there is a bush burning amen pastor just talked about this remember where he said Moses Moses and Moses said here I am or here am I Amen. And then God begins to tell him, amen, what he wants him to do and how he's going to be a deliverer of his people. And then all of a sudden he says, who am I? 
Amen. I preached about it here recently as well. Let me, let me just take this moment here to stress this in your Bible study. Amen. Sometimes we find ourselves saying, I want to make a difference in the kingdom. I want to win souls. I want to do something. I want to reach somebody. Amen. And we raise our hand like Moses did and we say, here am I. Use me. And then he says, well, I want you to reach people. I want you to teach Bible studies. I want you to go out in the community. And, and we go, oh, I'm not an extrovert and I'm not outgoing and I don't have a big Bible education and I don't know scripture like I should. Let me encourage you today. The same, I'm going to give you the same answer that God gave to Moses. Amen. Because Moses said, he gave him all of these excuses. I don't talk well. I, I stutter. I'm not the guy. Who am I? Why me? Who, you know, all of those things. Praise the Lord. And he made all these excuses. And God said, let me tell you something. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to do the work. I'm, you're going to go and you're going to talk to Pharaoh, but I'm going to do the delivering. I'm going to do the saving. I'm going to I'm going to bring salvation and redemption and I'm going to bring them out. Don't you worry. I'm going to use you. You're going to have to open your mouth. You're going to have to make some effort, but I will do the saving. Hallelujah. Let me encourage you today. There may be some things that you feel like you're not good at, that you think that you can't do. Maybe you question your own knowledge of the scriptures, but it's right here in this book. I'm reading 90% of this. I'm bringing the lesson right here off of these pages. Amen. I could be completely uneducated in scripture whatsoever, amen and I could teach this Bible study praise the Lord, I'm here to tell you just get somebody, just open your mouth, just go, just do, amen, find somebody and introduce them to the gospel and I promise you this, God will not fail you, God will not let you down, he will not disappoint you I promise you if you have the, the put forth the efforts and the desire, amen to teach somebody and reach somebody he will go before for you and he will prepare them and their hearts and their minds and you won't have to be a philosopher or a theologian or educated or have degrees behind your name you just simply have to have a desire God I want to touch somebody God I want to see my people brought out Lord if you want to save them I want to be a part of it amen do you want to be a part of it <laughs> amen me too I want to be a part of it. I want God to use me. I want God to use you. Amen. So God calls him, tells him what he's going to do, tells him he's going to bring him to the promised land and all of those kinds of things. And so God proves himself to Moses. Amen. And what he does is he tells Moses, take that rod that's in your hand, throw it on the ground. And so Moses does. And, and God and Moses reaches down. Amen. Because it turns into a serpent. Moses reaches down, grabs it by the tail, picks it up. And wouldn't you know it, it turns back into a rod. Moses still fleecing God and questioning and wondering what's going to happen. God says, I want you to put your hand in your jacket. And when you do, I want you to pull it out. And when Moses did, his hand was full of leprosy and white. Amen. And God said, now put that hand back in your jacket. And when he did, he pulled it out. And it was, it was as smooth as a baby's skin. Amen. Brand new again and healed. He was proving and encouraging himself to Moses. Can I encourage you tonight? Amen. The same miracle that God... God has done in your life, 
your life. The same miraculous things he has done into the saving of you. Whether he has broken you from addiction. Whether he has brought you out from, from the depths, amen, maybe of hell on, in this life, amen. Maybe he's brought you out of poverty. Maybe you were born on a pew and in a chair, amen, uh, on, on, a, on, a, on a church pew, on a church bench, amen. No matter the case, no matter the circumstance, you are a miracle of God. I'm here to tell you that if God can do the miracle for you, he can do it for them. If he's willing to do it for you, what did pastor tell us on Sunday? He's the God of I will, amen. I'm here to tell you he hasn't stopped saving people. He hasn't stopped delivering people. He has not stopped redeeming people and bringing them out of drug addiction and sin and problems, amen. And, and everybody these days has issues. God hasn't stopped delivering people from their issues. He is the God of miracles then and today and forevermore. Can I get an amen? So Moses, praise the Lord, decides that he's going to go before Pharaoh. And Moses, amen, is now instructed of ten plagues that will be brought, amen, against the, uh, against the Egyptians. And Moses obeyed the Lord. He returned to Egypt. He went to Pharaoh, amen. God used the very things, amen, that the Egyptians used in their worship. They idolized things. They built idols to the things that God used as plagues to them. You know why? Because they wouldn't curse those things. They, they would hold back on smashing a fly or throwing out a frog or, or anything like that because it was something that they actually worshipped. God used those very things against them. The frogs, the cattle, the sun. Amen. Turned the Nile into blood. Amen. And he did this, praise the Lord, to demonstrate his great power. Let me add this. It's not in the Bible study. He did that to demonstrate his great power, amen, not just to the children of Israel, not just to the Hebrews that were enslaved, but he was going to show Pharaoh, all these gods that you think are big and bad, I will show you who is God, amen. And so through all of those plagues, through all of those things, those torturous seemingly things, amen, that they, were, that they went through, amen, after each of the first nine plagues, amen, Pharaoh agreed to let the Israelites go, but in each instance, he later had a change of heart, amen, and he changed his mind, and he would not let God's people go. So, there had to be that 10th plague, that final one, where Moses was told to speak to the congregation. He told them, take a male lamb of the first year without blemish for each household. He instructed them to kill that lamb and apply its blood to the doorposts and to the lintel of each house. They were then to roast that lamb and eat that lamb and, and bitter herbs as well, amen. And they were told to eat in haste with their shoes on their feet, amen. And wouldn't you know it, praise God, that in the, in the middle of the night, that death angel came, amen, and God began to pass over. He began to go through uh, uh, where they were staying there in Goshen, and everybody that had taken the blood of that lamb and had put it on the doorposts and over the lintel. Amen. That's why we get that word Passover. That's why we celebrate a Passover. Amen. Because everybody that applied the blood to their doorpost, when the death, uh, when death came floating through or passing through, amen, it passed over the households that did it God's 
way. Those that stayed behind the blood. Hallelujah. I heard Brother Scott Graham teach decades ago. Amen. Yeah, I've been doing this that long. A couple of decades ago. He talked about the children that were inside the house that saw all of the 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 the, the, the uh, Egyptian children still out playing and enjoying the sunshine and all of that. And maybe they asked their parents, why can't we go outside? Why can't we enjoy the night air? Why can't we? And the mom said, and the dad said, you've got to stay behind the blood hallelujah can I tell you today that the blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that will save you that will spare you hallelujah can I tell you that sin when it is finished it bringeth forth death and when that death comes knocking on your door you want to have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life that's why we say there's types and shadows in the Old Testament because God was showing us that I'm going to have a way I'm going to have a plan I'm going to have a detail I'm going to have a blueprint and if you'll just follow it you don't have to do anything extraordinary just follow you don't have to do anything amen that's going to set off fireworks just be obedient hallelujah don't try to find your own way don't try to find an easier way if the blood needs to be applied and the bible tells us that there is no remission without the shedding of blood I'm here to tell you that the blood of Jesus Christ is what will wash away your sins hallelujah and if you want them remitted and removed and washed away and as far as the east is from the west it's going to be by the blood of Jesus Christ the blood of the spotless lamb hallelujah that laid his life down on Calvary can I get an amen so they stayed behind the blood amen and they were saved and they were amen uh, uh, brought out of Egypt if you will and they were set free from that plague amen and, and, and exempt from that Pharaoh finally agrees and says I'm going to let you go and you can go and take they took things with them and God led them by a pillar of fire by night, amen, a pillar of cloud by day. He protected them, amen. The people left Egypt and they came to the Red Sea. The Bible tells us that they stood there and they began to be fearful and they began to complain and wonder, why did God bring us, amen, out here and out of Egypt just to, just to watch us die here at the Red Sea and just to keep it, just to keep things moving. Moses raised his staff that day and the wind began to blow and it began to part those waters, amen, and they crossed over on dry ground. The Bible tells us that they got over on the other side and wouldn't you know it, Pharaoh changed his mind again even after such a tragic thing in his land. He changed his mind and followed them with a mighty army, amen tracked with them across the Red Sea, across and followed them out into that, that dry land that had been divided by the waters, amen. The Bible tells us that when his army got out there, the wheels came off of their chariots and those waters rolled back down over the top of them and destroyed every one of Pharaoh and his army and the Egyptians, amen. This is a type and a shadow to you and I. Why do we bring it up? Why do we teach it in a Bible study? I'm here to tell you, if you'll stay behind the blood, you'll be delivered. If you'll get behind the blood, amen, God will bring you out. He'll deliver you and he'll set you free from your bondage. But watch this. There's another step. You're going to come to the water, amen, and you're going to need to be baptized. You're going to have to go down in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission or the removal of your sins. How does that have to do with this story? The Egyptians, which I told you are a type, 
amen, of sin. And they, they, they are a parallel of sin to you and I in this life, amen. They begin to follow after the children of Israel. Let me tell you something. If you don't go down in Jesus' name, if you don't get your life washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you don't go down in baptism, amen, your sins will follow you the rest of your life. They will constantly haunt you and, and be knocking on your door and whispering in your ear, amen. But there's something triumphant. If you will just cross over, if you'll just go through the water, hallelujah, if you'll just allow, amen, the waters of baptism to come over your life, amen, I'm here to tell you, you have a promise in the scripture, in the word of God that says he will wash them away, hallelujah, you will come up out of the water, a new creature in Christ, hallelujah, old things will be passed away and behold, all things will become new, let me tell you something, they stood on the other side of the water, free and liberated, hallelujah, they didn't no longer had taskmasters. They were no longer slaves. They no longer had an army that was going to come after them. If they caught them, they would slay them and kill them on the spot. Hallelujah. But because they crossed through the water, hallelujah, and the water came down over their oppressors and over those that sought them, amen, they were ultimately set free. Why do we teach this? Why do we go over the Exodus, amen? Why will we get into the tabernacle? I'm here to tell you because all through the Old Testament and all through the Word of God, Scripture is telling us that there's something greater to come, that if you'll just pay attention, amen, what they had to go through, you will have to go through, but on a spiritual level, hallelujah, you'll have to stay behind the blood. you got to go through the water, hallelujah. But if you do, if you do it God's way and God's plan and take His steps and follow his blueprint you will be set free can I get an amen I'm kind of preaching a little bit I didn't mean to be amen teaching a bible study you can do this folks you can teach this how many of you how many of you have your binder here tonight about eight or ten of you I'm following it pretty close aren't I Almost word for word. Now I'm getting a little bit excited just because that's that's what I do sometimes. And so I'm getting out there a little bit on some of this. But I'm pretty much following this word for word. You can do this. Let's move on. Israel is at Sinai. Amen. They're on the other side of the Red Sea. They've been set free. Amen. Moses brings Israel, brings Israel to the Red Sea into the wilderness of Sinai. And when they came to Moriah, they found Bitter water, unsuitable for drinking. Amen. God points them out to a tree. They cut that tree. They put that tree in the water. Amen. And it sweetens. You know, sometimes when we first come to the Lord, when we first experience freedom, we don't understand what's going on. And sometimes we wonder why we have to break. And I'm just going to be honest and clear with you. This is, this is my experience. Sometimes we wonder why we have to break off some friendships. Sometimes we wonder why we have to remove ourselves from some environments and some circumstances. Sometimes we wonder why we got to stop watching some stuff and listening to some stuff and going some places and being with some folks sometimes we wonder and it feels bitter and we say well you know what I'm an adult I can do I, that that's I'm just saying my experience I'm an adult I can do whatever I want you can't tell me that was definitely my attitude amen but I'm here to tell you that if you will just allow Jesus amen to touch your life I'm here to tell you just like he did here he will sweeten those waters amen he will make those bitter things sweet there will be a day where you'll understand amen that just wasn't best for me that that just wasn't a good idea. That just wasn't a good place to be or the right place to go or the right people to be with. Amen. If I want to make it. Can I get an amen? 
All right. So after three months on their journey from Egypt, they arrived at Mount Sinai, and the people remained there for a period of one year. What took place at Sinai, amen, marked the beginning of Israel's national history. Amen. At Sinai, God gave Moses the law, which included the Ten Commandments, as well as other moral, ceremonial, and civil laws. God intended for Israel to live by the law until Jesus came, amen, in the fullness of time. Galatians 3 says this, The law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith, amen. Jesus was literally God with us. The reason why we say the tabernacle is a type of Jesus Christ is because you know the, you know the scripture that says, and the and the and the the Spirit became flesh, amen, and God, Emmanuel, God with us. He was literally the Spirit tabernacled in flesh, if you will. He became tabernacled in the flesh of Jesus, amen, and he dwelt among us, praise the Lord. So the tabernacle is important, amen, because it gives us even more types and shadows, and they are strong, amen, of what of what God wants us to do, amen. And if we can learn anything from this, if you don't listen to me anymore from this, the tabernacle shows us that God, how many know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Give me a Wednesday night wave. All right. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I tell you that his character has not changed? That he is still the same God that has requirements? Now, it's, it's almost a cuss word, amen, to people in the world. When you start talking about rules and laws and, and things like that, it it's almost becomes profanity to them because they struggle with it. Their flesh doesn't want to obey. Their flesh doesn't want to give in. But I'm here to tell you what this tabernacle will teach us. If you don't hear the rest of what I explained here tonight, understand this. What the tabernacle teaches us is that there is a way that God has established, and he will not accept another way. Hallelujah. He will not accept another gospel to be preached except the death, the burial, and the resurrection. He will not accept another mode and means of salvation except repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you will be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter what you have heard other places. It doesn't matter if you've heard something else here and I know you haven't but I'm here to tell you if it's in the scripture, it's God's way, it's God's plan, it's God's instructions, it's his blueprint. Amen. If we learn anything through this, it's this, that the same God that required them to have a means to come to him and have a relationship with him and come before him, amen, is going to have one for you and I. And we'll talk about it in just a minute. The court of the tabernacle. Amen. I don't get into all the sizes. Amen. It really doesn't matter to any of us how big it was. If you want to study that out, you can. But inside the court was the brazen altar and the brazen laver and the tabernacle itself. What does that mean? What is the court? There is a fence or a curtain, amen, that was wrapped, and it was actually fine linens, that was wrapped around what was the, the tabernacle in the center. There was actually a courtyard. So if you can imagine something the size of this church, but it was, it was actually bigger, but just imagine something the size of this auditorium here, amen. And inside these four walls was a brazen altar, a brazen laver, and then the actual tent or the tabernacle, amen, that also had furniture inside of it, amen. The tabernacle, amen, 
was, I'm not going to give you the sizes, it consisted inside the tabernacle, inside the tent, was the holy place and the holy of holies. These were two rooms that were separated by a veil of blue, purple, and scarlet. In that holy place was a golden candlestick, uh, a table of showbread, and an altar of incense. In the holy of holies was the ark of the covenant, and there abode a man, the spirit of God, between those two golden cherubims, a man, and located on the lid of the ark, and they were located on the lid of the ark, which was called the mercy seat. How many has ever heard of the mercy seat? That's where the, the priest would come and he would sprinkle the blood, amen, on the mercy seat. And those things, amen, would take place. Let's look, let's go into the furniture that begins, amen. When you first walk through, there was only one gate in that courtyard. When you first walk through that gate, the first thing that you would encounter, amen. And we're not going to get fully into the ceremony. We're just going to talk about, amen, the furniture that was there and the, and the, the altars and things like that. When you first walked through the gate, a man of that courtyard, what greeted you first was the altar, a man of sacrifice. On that altar of sacrifice took place everything that would, that would literally, uh, uh, I don't know if justify is the right word, but it would sanctify certainly everything else that was going to take place from, from the brazen laver where they would wash to, the, to what would happen inside the holy place to what would happen inside the holy of holies. It all started with the altar of sacrifice. When you walked in that gate, the first thing, no matter if you were a priest or you were just one of, the, one of those in the tribe and, in the, and in the, among the nation of Israel, the first thing that you encountered was the altar of sacrifice. This is where the lamb would be slain. This is where it would be burnt. This is where it would be sacrificed for all of the sins. Amen. And that blood, amen, would be collected. Then they would pass that that altar of sacrifice and they would come to that brazen laver, that laver of water. Now you're going to see, amen, next, next chart guys, you're going to see on this next one that they have it looking like a couple of bowls. There are most historians that actually believe that this brazen laver was actually one giant almost pot or kettle if you will amen that the high priest that was required to wash his hands and and his his linens and his all of his clothing amen was also supposed to be washed there are actually people that believe that that was big enough that the priest could get in it and wash and cleanse himself and get completely immersed in that pot amen this, if you will, if you'll allow me to stop and, and tell you what's going on here, that first altar, a man of sacrifice, that we encounter, a man, represents repentance to you and I. There must be a death. There must be blood that will be shed, a man. And that death is represented to you and I by repentance, a man, when we start talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That next step where that high priest would wash his hands and his feet and he would make sure, a man, that he was clean and that he was able to enter into the holy place. That represents baptism to you and I, where there will be a washing and a cleansing, amen, but that death through repentance or through the sacrifice, that washing through the laver or the ceremony there that the priest would go through of the washing of his hands and his feet. But then he would enter into the holy place, hallelujah, which is the place of worship. Can I tell you, church, amen, anytime you start, 
and you're going to enter into a time or a place of worship with God, can I tell you to start just as soon as you enter into the gates, amen? The Bible tells us enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Can you envision, if you will, the the courtyard of the tabernacle, amen, in your life and know that the first thing that you're going to encounter is going to be the altar of sacrifice. It's important that you and I die out to our ways. It's important that you and I repent and make sure that our heart and our mind has been sanctified and cleansed. Amen. And once you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, it's still okay, amen, to tell God, wash over me and forgive me and cleanse me. David even said, renew in me a right spirit and create in me a clean heart. Amen. Wash over me, God, and cleanse me and purify me. Why? We're about to enter into the the holy place. Amen. We're about to walk into a place where the, the holy of holies, amen, is contained where the presence and the power of God is. And this can happen, amen, in your car, in your house, in this church, amen. At work, Brother Don, uh, you and I have talked many times where we have been at work and we'll find ourselves with tears streaming down our face. Why? The presence of a holy God, hallelujah, is everywhere we go. And it's important that our heart is right and our minds have been cleansed and our spirit has been washed and checked, amen, by the presence and the power of of God. Can I get an amen? Inside that holy place, amen, where that's where the golden candlestick or the lampstand and the altar of incense are and the table of showbread, amen. These pieces of furniture also will point us, as I have told you, everything, every piece of furniture, every ceremony, every instance and circumstance will point us to Jesus himself, amen. That golden candlestick, amen, represented, praise God, with, this, with its seven branches, it provided a light inside of that tabernacle in the holy place, amen, that first level in the tabernacle. It points us, amen, to see that Jesus is the true light, amen, of the world. It's in that dark place, amen, in this dark life, in our dark lives, amen, that maybe have been overshadowed by sins. We need the light. Can I get an Amen. As they moved in, you'll notice on the other side, across from that, was the table of showbread. Amen. And it's very simple. Jesus is the bread of life. Hallelujah. In front of the priest, amen, between him and the veil was that altar of incense. And we've heard it taught so many times, amen, that that altar of incense represented worship and praise and prayers. Hallelujah. That as that incense burned, it went up into the nostrils of God. Hallelujah. Can I tell you that once that priest had made that that sacrifice once he had washed and cleansed himself and he entered into that holy place hallelujah a place of worship he was there between the light of the world and the bread of life hallelujah where his incense or his praise his worship his prayers hallelujah you and I hallelujah have that amen ability that when we enter into worship with God hallelujah that our praise and our worship and our prayers are ever before the Lord can I get an amen Between them and, hallelujah, that altar of incense, and on the other side of that was that veil. And inside, beyond and behind that veil, hallelujah, praise God. Next chart, guys. That Behind that veil, hallelujah, was the holy of holies, hallelujah. This place 
amen, was the greatest, if, if you will, of all. It was the most important. This is where God's presence was housed. It's where he dwelled. It's where when they walked in there, they were literally um, um, in, in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. Amen. They were there with the presence and the power of the Almighty God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And inside that, amen, was the Ark of the Covenant and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of stone, the Ten Commandments, as well as a golden pot of manna. They were all inside of that ark, hallelujah. The budding rod, amen, because all of those things, again, are going to be a type, amen, and they're going to point us to Jesus Christ, was a type of Christ in that showed the miracle of new life. life bu live buds and almonds sprang forth from Aaron's dead rod when his uh, priesthood was established, when it was established that that uh, Aaron was going to be the priest, amen, and the Levites were going to be established. That rod, that staff that he always walked around with, his walking stick, if you will, began to have real buds and almonds on it, amen, showing that Jesus is the, the way to new life, amen, and he is the center, amen, where we will receive new life. That golden pot of manna was a reminder, amen, of God's ability to provide miraculously for the needs of his children, amen, even though you're in the middle of a, of a wilderness situation. The law written on the tables of stone gave God's direction to the nation of Israel. Resting on the top of the ark was the mercy seat made of pure gold. The mercy seat was stained with the blood of an innocent sacrifice. It represents the redemptive work of Christ's death. By his mercy, he saved us. Titus 3.5, amen. Inside that holy of holies, all throughout, amen, the courtyard, the holy place, the pieces of furniture, and even inside the Ark of the Covenant, amen, we can find the, the arrows that are pointing us to Jesus Christ, that he wants to work the miraculous in our lives. Now, they didn't see it then, amen. It was a ceremony and a process to them. It was something that on the Day of Atonement, amen, their sins were rolled back, praise the Lord, uh, amen, for a year. But we can look back now, and the reason why... It's so important for us to look back now, amen, and see that. It's because we can understand that the character of God has not changed. That he is the same, amen. That really his redemption process, his means of salvation really has not changed. It's changed, amen, in the process. But what it took has not changed, amen. It took the blood of a spotless lamb. It took him laying down his life, amen. It took, amen, us being willing to, to sacrifice, us being willing to walk wash and be cleansed. It took us being willing to seek him out and, decree and declare him the light of our life, the bread of our life. It took us being willing, amen, to worship him and praise him and let that go before him, amen. And that's why we see, amen, on the day th uh, 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 that, that Christ died, amen, that veil that was behind the, the the altar of incense, amen, that veil was rent in two, amen, from top to bottom that day, hallelujah. And now we have unlimited access to God and his presence and his power and his provision, hallelujah. 
We can look back to them for the example. We can look back to them for the model. We can look back to them for the steps and know that God is going to require something something similar for us. But you and I do not have to slaughter a lamb. You and I no longer have to sprinkle blood on a mercy seat. You and I no longer have to bring our offerings. Amen. We simply, hallelujah, have to lay down our life. Amen. We have to give it to him. Amen. We have to know that when he laid down his life, when he shed his blood, hallelujah, the price was paid and redemption was paid. Amen. And salvation, amen, was laid out for you and I. But the one thing that we can learn, the one thing we can look to and know is this. There is a process and a means and there are steps and there is a blueprint. Can I get an amen? Salvation is not a free-for-all. It's just not. That's not me being hard. That's not me being legalistic. That's not me being a, a, a difficult or stubborn. It, it's just simply the word of God. And, and, and really, we make it difficult and hard when we resist his process. If we make it simple and obey, amen, and, and I'll be honest with you, just to be honest with you, I think this process in the Old Testament was much more difficult and complicated. Amen? He is our high priest. He has gone through the process. He has shed the blood. He has laid down his life. Amen. He has rent the veil. Amen. So that there is access for you and I and all of us. We don't need a, we don't need a priest anymore to go in before us. The, the, the process was much more complicated in the Old Testament. But we can look at it because it is a mirror. It's a type. It's an image. It's a shadow of what we must do. There must be a death. There must be a washing, and there must be a, an infilling of his spirit and his presence. Can I get an amen? If you look, next, the, the next uh, slide. If you look, this is just something interesting. I don't know if it floats your boat or it don't. Amen. But inside that courtyard, inside, amen, through the tabernacle and all of the things that, that are in there, they are laid out, if you will, in the shape of the cross. I don't know if that was something that was done on purpose or if that's just clever in this Bible study, but certainly it was not done by accident. Amen. There is a process that we must go through, and we can see all through the tabernacle, amen, that the cross was laid out for us, not just in the shape of the furniture, but in the workings of everything that took place inside of that courtyard and that tabernacle. Amen. Jesus was the offering for our sin. We need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus prayed, amen, in the garden. Praise the Lord. He is the light of the world. He's the bread of life. Amen. And he's ultimately the way of holiness. Can I get an amen? Remember what David Bernard said Folks aren't going to know that there's a holy God until they get into his presence. We may not ever know, amen, that we need more or that there's more for us until we get into the presence of God. Can I get an amen? We have been teaching these Bible studies, amen. You, you can stand. Why don't you stand with me? These Bible studies are so important. They introduce people to the, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, uh, I've got stitches in my mouth. And I'm trying to make sure I'm not, I feel like I'm bleeding. So, these Bible studies are so crucial and so important. Does everybody that gets saved 
go through a Bible study? Brother Don, no. I, I didn't go through a Bible study. I mean, I guess ultimately I did eventually, you know, over time being around. It, it's not necessarily... Um, it's not necessarily essential, I guess, but man, it helps. It really, really, really helps. Uh, I, I was going to use use a, an example. I'm not going to put the picture up anymore. I've just changed. I've changed my mind about it. But about two years ago, uh, brother Terry Sorrells and I, and where's where's sister Stacy? She she run out on me. She just couldn't wait. Sister Stacy is helping me now uh, teach some other Bible studies. I've, I've just always been, I'm not a good Bible study teacher. You have probably noticed tonight, if you compare how I teach Bible studies to how pastor teaches Bible, he's a much better Bible study teacher than what I am. But I will say this, it is something that I'm passionate about. There is never a year that goes by. There may be weeks or months, but there's never a year that goes by that I don't teach somebody a Bible study. It's not always 10 weeks. Uh, if you go through a 10-week Bible study with me, Brother Steve, they're actually about 20 weeks. But <laughs> as we get we get sidetracked, amen, when people ask questions, I like to answer them, and we like to spend time on them. But about two years ago, we had four people in a Bible study. And, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this example because I, th- I, th- I think it's an encouragement. It's not going to sound like it at first, but it is an encouragement. We had about four people in a Bible study at that time. Th- of those four people, Brother Sorrells, two of them have passed away from drug addiction. One of them just dropped off the face of the earth. I'm not sure exactly where he's at whatsoever. And the other one has been in and out of uh, trouble, in and out of prison, in and out of jail. So most of you would probably look at me and say, don't let Brother Keith teach Bible studies. (laughs) Keep exploring God's word out of his hands. Why did I tell you that story? It, it, it's kind of a downer, right? I mean, trust me, when those things happened, I was in tears and I wept and it, it broke my heart. Sister Sorrells, you know, and, and other, others of you that know me, if anything makes me, where, where's Sister Cindy? She run out to? If anything makes me cry, Sister Cindy calls me a crybaby. If anything breaks my heart and makes me cry while I'm preaching or teaching, it's the thoughts of either somebody walking away from the gospel or the thought of the impact that the gospel can truly have on a life. Because I know firsthand. If anything's going to get me to weep and cry, it's going to be that. Otherwise, I try to be tough, but I, I'm, I'm just not. The older I get, how many know the older you get, you just you get wimpy. So, those four folks, you would say, you failed. There's, there have been times to stories I thought I failed. I thought... Man, I should, I should have taught better. Maybe I should have spent more time. I, I don't know what I could have done. Sitting on the front row right here is Steve Williamson. His son is one of those that was in that Bible study that if I were really hard on myself, which I let things go. I just, I just understand people make decisions. But if I were one of those that were hard on myself and said, I'm a failure, I can't do it, I can't get it done, then I would have with those folks. This man stands here, the dad of one of those that were part of that four-person Bible study. And he would not be here today if we hadn't done that four-person Bible study. Amen? So he's standing here a miracle. Steve 
and I'm not making this a Steve show. I told Steve I was going to talk about him. He's looking around like, I told him I was going to talk about him. He's not comfortable with this, but I, I think it's a point worth making. About a week and a half ago was Steve's one-year anniversary of being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now watch this. That's great. That's awesome. Steve, how, how, many, how far do you got until you're done with the, the Bible this time? He's halfway through 2 Corinthians for his second time of reading through the word of God in less than a year. Because I start my Bible study saying, Steve, this is what you're going to do. <laughs> if you want to be successful, you've got to be in the word and you've got to be in prayer. This man is faithful to the house of God. He's faithful to the word of God. Amen. And he has already committed to me, which is something else I have driven into him, that one day soon he's going to start his own Bible study. That's why we do this. Sister Amber, Sister Sharon's daughter-in-law, would not have come probably without tragic tragedy hitting their life. Amen. But she's been here ever since. She's faithful to Bible studies. Hallelujah. She's reading her Bible. She's listening during Bible study. And about two weeks ago, right, Sister Stacy? About two weeks ago, she was struggling with something in the Word of God and in her prayer life. And, and she said, I, I want the Holy Ghost so bad. Isn't that what we want? She says, I want the Holy Ghost so bad, but you could just see the frustration. And the Holy Spirit moved into that room, and we spoke a word of faith to Amber, hallelujah, and tears began to run down her face. And the Holy Ghost, now, it was our words like Moses. We, we answered her, amen, but under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah. And you know what she said? You know what? I'm going to get the Holy Ghost here real soon, hallelujah. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're teaching Bible studies. Are, are we able? Are we theologians? Do I have a doctor in front of my name? Do I have degrees on the end of my name? No, ma'am, and no, sir. And you could trip me up and, and trick me and, and probably tell me something goofy in the Word of God. And maybe I'll say, well, I got to go look that up because I'm not sure that's in there. Maybe I'm not the brightest guy, and maybe you're not the brightest guy or gal. Amen. But you can do this hallelujah you can find somebody and teach them and you can, can you can impact their life and you can see the change in them and that's why we do this amen this 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 should not become for all intents and purposes a nursing home or a rehab center where we're constantly nursing and 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 Working on the same injuries and the same scars and the same sicknesses. Once in a while, a baby has got to be born in these altars. Amen? And what that takes is us taking the gospel to a lost and undone world. That's why we do this. That's why pastor is so passionately and anointed and with a burden telling us, man, he went out and got enough Bible studies. And there's a box around here somewhere. If you don't have one of these, you can get it. And, and that doesn't mean you're going to run out and, and get a Bible study tomorrow. But at least get this weapon in your hand. Amen. And that way you can be reading over it and getting familiar with it. And I guarantee you this. If you put forth those efforts where you're taking the time to get familiar with it. All of a sudden a neighbor is going to say. You know what do you believe? You know where do you go to church? You know 
I've been thinking about getting to know the Bible a little bit better. And you can say, you know what, why don't we explore God's word together? Watch this. You're not going to give them an education, but you are going to give them an introduction. Hallelujah. And it's going to be something that they're going to see and they're going to feel. There's something I'm missing. I need something a little bit more. And there's another twofold. You get to build a relationship. They may not ever think that you're the smartest theologian that they ever met, praise God. But what they will do is they'll build a relationship with you. And the next thing you know, they're going to be sitting next to you. And the next thing you know, you're going to be standing next to them while they're praying and worshiping. Hallelujah. And the next thing you know... Somebody's going to be baptizing them in the name of Jesus, and they're going to go through the process. Why? Because you got something started. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Why don't we pray? I want God to continue to influence our hearts. There are a lot of folks in this place right now that are already getting involved in Bible studies. Some of you are already doing one-on-one. Some of you are joining us as we spread out our classes. Amen. And we get more and more people involved in that. I want in this prayer, I want you to have a Moses moment. Can I call it a Moses moment? I just thought of that. I want you to have a Moses moment. See, I'm so smart. I want you to have, I dressed myself too, can you tell? This isn't a costume. I want you to have a Moses moment, amen, where it dawns on you, it's really not about me. Did that, did that come across clear? I want you to have a Moses moment where you realize it's really not about my skill set or my talents or my abilities or my lack thereof. God is going to go before me. Let's pray right now. God, give me my Moses moment.